Hi, and thanks for tuning in again to the What in the World podcast. This podcast was all about learning how to travel again and understanding the new federal guidelines for traveling and entering into Canada. Since we filmed this, PCR tests are no longer a valid test. You don't need it anymore. Good news. So please disregard that portion of the podcast and follow the links in our comments to stay up to date with current regulations for travel. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to What in the World, a project initiated by Hungry for Life International. Today's podcast is titled Learning to Travel Again, and Jess will be interviewing Angela Kurtzman. So grab your headphones, sit back, relax, and listen as they give a current snapshot of what it takes to travel right now. Okay, we are back with another episode of the What in the World podcast from Hungry for Life, a podcast where we talk about all things to do with global ministry and travel. Um, this week, we're kind of launching back into filming some podcasts, and we thought we'd kick it off with Angela Gertzen, who has been on here before, but she's going to give us the lowdown on everything we need to do to get across the border and back in. It is learning how to travel again post-COVID. So Angela's done a lot of research. Thanks, Ange. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> it's great to be here. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a, a topic that's daunting and it's, um, but once you've done it, we were just talking before this, we were saying that once you've done it, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. You'll know the ropes, but Angela's done all the research and she's going to share some of that information for your benefit. So pay attention and she'll make sure that you don't get fines or arrested. Well. <laughs> Hopefully, right? anyways. Is this a guarantee? <laughs> no, it's not. Can people get their money back from this podcast if they get a fine? Well, <laughs> depends how much they give. <clears throat> good, good point. If you'd like to donate, <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay, I have a, a few questions that sure. I feel like our listeners would probably want to know. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a, a bit more of an informative podcast. It's not. It's not so much conversation, but information. So sure. here, let's just jump right in. How has HFL traveled, or I should say, sorry, has HFL traveled post-COVID? Yes, we have traveled post-COVID, um, gearing up to, you know, coming through the really strong restrictions that were last winter and the spring. Uh, we got together as a leadership team and decided we really needed to push and try and open up our field partners and see how they're doing in person again um, see how because it's important that that relationship piece is important mm -hmm. we did a lot virtually but it just is not the same as actually being there and with restrictions backing off across the world we wanted to make sure that we could travel safely again so the leadership team got together and we looked at travel and what it takes to travel and um, I worked with a couple of our staff to put together like a phased approach to reopening travel again. Mm -hmm. So since that time, um, our first international trip was this past September with a uh, project manager going right. to Dominican staff. Republic. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then we've done two domestic trips to Alberta and Ontario and have now our third group of people traveling to Kenya in a couple of weeks and also uh, another staff member in Eastern Europe. So yeah, yeah, we've so we're getting there. We're getting there. Slowly yes. opening up doors again. Yeah, okay. definitely. So mm -hmm. what is the phased approach? How how have has HFL approached travel again, taking cautions? And yeah, 
our primary, like, I kind of like how you said it at the beginning of this podcast, Jess, where you were like learning to travel again. It is totally true. Mm-hmm. Hunger for Life as an organization is learning to travel again in this pandemic era of constant changes, constant um, different different restrictions based on country. And in order to support our constituents participating in teams, you know, we've always valued ourselves on doing travel well and keeping our volunteers safe as they travel and also our beneficiaries overseas that we're traveling to safe. So mm-hmm. now we're in this pandemic, how do we continue to do that? So we came up with a four-phased approach that we were, that we, um, blanketed over all of our project locations and the first phase was staff travel and monitoring only and that was to get staff out on the field that could get their work done as in monitoring and assessments but also creating a baseline of what we need to know for travel so yeah what are the requirements of getting through Vancouver airport what are the requirements of you know these um um, transition places. Uh, well, I can't remember the word all of a sudden, but you know, you land in Amsterdam, for example, like a layover, a layover yeah. city, and then yeah. upon arrival, and now doing all of that in reverse, coming home. What's the situation actually being on the ground in some of our partner locations that we're working in? Is it what we hear on the news, or is the situation different? And so, um, firsthand experience, getting that baseline of information. That's phase one. Um, within phase one, open to accepting external volunteers of the organization. But again, they have to be only one other person, possibly two, very travel savvy, very open to risk tolerance, having had been in that country before. So those are some um, right. prerequisites of of if you were to you know travel to Kenya and, and somebody wanted to join you, it couldn't just be anybody. It would have to be somebody that's familiar with travel and open to the risks of that. So that's phase mm-hmm. one, okay. primarily getting staff out on the field, rebuilding those partnerships again face-to-face and getting a baseline. Mm-hmm. So important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phase two, so once that is um, accomplished and it's open enough to continue on pursuing travel in that location, phase two is small teams or or vision teams of under five people. Again, the people participating on those small groups have to be accompanied by HFL staff member who's familiar with the area and they also have to be risk tolerant so being prepared to deal with changes you know all of a sudden maybe that country is shut down and you can't leave are you okay to stay there for a period of time Mm -hmm. or there's a positive um, COVID test and now you need to quarantine in that country for 10 days. Those are all things to take into consideration for right travel. Right. Um, and then phase three. So once phase, we're comfortable with phase two and willing to move into phase three, phase three is small teams of under 10. So almost business as usual, um, taking into account everything that's been learned through phase one and two. But Hungry for Life has been there a few times. We've worked with our field partner in that location a few times and there's a level of comfort. We're not going big groups because if something happens, the change mm-hmm. necessary to do for five, six, seven people is a lot different than you're dealing now with 15, 16, 17 sure. people. Mm-hmm. So still small teams under 10. And Which then, we've ju- we just did. We just did a team of six, yes. Right, so mm-hmm. we're, in, we're in phase three. Yeah, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay, I'll um, let you finish. Mm-hmm. And then phase four is activity as normal. 
it's not an issue being in that country. Um, the restrictions are down. The risk level is low. And then, so that is our phase approach. We also have determinants of go, no go for travel. So first of all, is that country open to travel? Obviously, if they're not open to travel, we're not going to go. And where do people find that information at? Yeah, I will let you know. Oh, okay, that. sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep interrupting you. Go oh, for good. it. <laughs> um, another thing is, you know, based on the communities, like in Guatemala, for example, the country is open, but they classify their communities in green zone, yellow zone, okay. red zone. And so red zones aren't open to anybody going into those locations. So that's also important. Um, and then quarantine is quarantine necessary upon arrival if a two-week quarantine or a 10-day quarantine is necessary but you're only having a two-week trip then the the validity of it yeah so where you can find this information is on the canadian travel website also the international association of travel iata is their acronym has an amazing website that updates it every two minutes on all of the requirements for every single country okay that is that you travel to and it tells you yeah quarantine restrictions if that country is open or not what are the testing requirements what are the vaccination requirements what forms need to be filled out and on that website most of the countries listed has a link to the consular general um, page for that country okay where you can get all of those forms so that's yeah. IADA mm-hmm. I-A-D-A dot no I-A-T-A I gotcha yeah just so people know i'm gonna link everything in the post so you don't have to try memorize it as you're listening keep going thanks jess so when we first went into this phased approach it was really interesting we thought okay we'll do phase one for all of our countries but as we got into traveling more we realized our phased approach is really country specific so for example we've been to kenya we're looking at kenya for our third time in three months now but we have yet to travel to Guatemala. So we're phase one for Guatemala, gotcha. but we're phase three for Kenya. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what are some things people should be aware of when booking a flight? I mean, I guess you kind of covered that. Like, go on to IETA and see which countries, like, require mm-hmm. quarantine, etc. So, I mean, of course, look into that before you book your flight. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? I mean, definitely be aware of what is required of you and what you're entering into before you book a flight so you are informed. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're booking a flight, it's also really important to know the restrictions of your ticket. So is it flexible? Are there changes? Um, Case in point, every single trip that we have planned since September has had changes to it. (laughs) So, you know, traveling during this time is difficult and it's really important to be, um, I guess, expecting things to change. Don't go into it thinking, I'm making this booking and that's it. I'm going to show up the day of and that's all I need to do. There's there's schedule limitations. A lot of flights have cut their flights in half, Mm -hmm. so you're not able to fly every day. Mm -hmm. There's testing requirements. So, for example, with Kenya, we found... We fly into Nairobi City, and then our teams usually fly on to Kisumu. But they need to have a negative PCR COVID test flying home, but that PCR COVID test is only available in Nairobi. So having an extra day in Nairobi prior to traveling back to Vancouver. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Just things like that to be aware of. And then again with the ticket. So what are the cancellation fees if you have to cancel? What is the change fees if you have to change? Do you have a flexible ticket? What are most airlines doing these days? Mm. 
Um, most airlines I found have almost like a four tier ticket that you can book with economy. So if you okay. get business class, you have free changes, free cancellation. With full refund or you get a credit? Credit usually. Dang. Some okay. are giving refunds. Okay. Not very often. We do a lot of humanitarian fares, so there is a considerable portion of the ticket that is refundable. Okay. Minus like a service fee. And then depending on the ticket, like some tickets are you pay 300 dollars then then you can cancel your whole ticket and that's it okay. or you some other airlines as you pay 175 dollars and you can cancel your whole ticket or you can do free changes and you just pay the service fee of 50 dollars or whatever that is yeah mm -hmm. okay which is pretty much free in airline talk yeah but then we've yeah. noticed yeah basing based on the class of fare of your ticket so there's your standard ticket which is no change no cancellation then you can have a flex ticket which has some changes or changes up to 24 hours so you really need to look at the fine print before you book yes mm -hmm. i have learned this the hard way <laughs> not through hfl so no knock on that um does purpose of the trip make a difference for requirements for requirements as in what you need to have when you fly yeah i think only diplomatic status gives you Base. How do you get that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Work for the Canadian government. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I think diplomatic status is um, the only thing. Otherwise, I know when there was complete lockdown of flights, if you were a essential worker traveling, mm -hmm. you did not have to show um, vaccine passports. But I think that was even before vaccine okay. mandate was in place. Okay. So essentially all of the same requirements are for flying. So you need to right. be vaccinated to board a flight in within Canada and, you know, masked up the whole time on flying and um, arrive can app for returning home. Right. Yeah. Do you want to go into the arrive can app or maybe a bit later? Because I've done it. I've crossed the border mm -hmm. and I was, so, I was super confused that I went into the, to the border people's office mm -hmm. I was like can you just make sure tell me that I'm not missing anything they were so great about it but then yeah it was easy once I did it yeah. but um yeah with the arrive can app that's the thing you have to it can if you're rushed and you don't have all your documents it can be super frustrating and time-consuming mm -hmm. I would say if you're planning to travel a few days ahead of time download the app Get your passport on there. Get your proof of vaccination on there. Fill it all out before Fill you go. Fill it all out before you go <laughs> yeah. as much as possible. Get your QR code before mm -hmm. you go. And then have um, digital copies of all of your forms and your PCR tests Aye. so that you can upload it very easily. Yeah. But yeah, the keys, the key information, the key there is like go slow, read it, read every page thoroughly mm -hmm. and just take your time with it and give yourself enough time to do it. And I've also heard that it really also depends on the border card you get. Mm -hmm. Because when I crossed, it was, I didn't have to show anything. Okay. Yeah. But the, I feel like that's obviously not the, going to be the case always. Right. But so yes. it's good to be thorough. But like, if you arrive half an hour earlier than your slotted time that you say on your Arrive Can app, I think you're okay. Mm -hmm. So just p putting that out there. Yeah. But uh, I know yeah. you wanted to add something to that point. Yeah, just about like, does the purpose of the trip make a difference for requirements? Mm -hmm. Like the actual requirements for traveling, no. But there is some difference, you know, people have said to us, well, it says essential travel only. Um, if you look on the Canadian travel website, travel.gc.ca is very important to know. Mm -hmm. um, 
basically Canada has avoid non-essential travel for the entire world except for some of those countries that have avoid all travel if they're still closed or there's extenuating mm-hmm. circumstances going on in those countries right so so what does that mean so avoid all non-essential a non according to hungry for life when we were in the full lockdown of no travel no crossing the border essential travel was outlined by the government and that was basically the essential movement of goods to keep the economy running so, you know, truck drivers for grocery supplies and medical personnel, anything that was deemed essential work was also for essential travel. The work of Hungry for Life was not classified as essential travel under those parameters. But when we're at the avoid non-essential travel, that third level, mm-hmm. um, Hungry for Life has put together a travel and risk policy. And we've done this, did this years ago because we're constantly you know, pre-pandemic, we were still facing acts of terrorism or mm-hmm. war or um, unrest in countries. And so we have a travel and risk mitigation policy that tells us, okay, if we get to avoid non-essential travel, but it is still okay to go there, how do we determine that? And so we put this together pre-pandemic and have used it for our during the pandemic work. And what that includes is we look at our projects that are going on. And first of all, okay, can the project continue and be successful without our staff going to that location? So that's number one, yes or no. Do they need funds? Do they need um, support? Does monitoring need to be done for reporting? If that is the case, then we go to number two. Does our traveling to that location um, put the health and safety of the beneficiaries at risk? So. If we're doing widow care, are we putting them at risk by us going? Or um, is also based on our project manager or our field partners that we're working with. So their opinion, they know what's happening on the ground way better than we do. So we really trust their judgment. And if they say it's you know good and safe to come and it's necessary, then we trust them on that one. Um, number three is the risk to the pro project or the partnerships kind of like I touched on before so what's the risk if we don't go and what's the risk if we do go Mm -hmm. and take that into account and then number four our volunteers that are traveling are they informed of the risks do they um, know what potentially could happen and we actually have put together like uh, informed consent for travel during the during this COVID time that they sign off on okay so they're aware that outlines all of the you may be stuck in Kenya for another two weeks exactly (laughs) I guess it's 11 days now right? 11 days unless the country shut down but we don't need to talk about that yeah well (laughs) well let's touch on that for a second too Mm -hmm. because I know people uh, at least who I've talked to are concerned about being stuck in another country if you if you test positive so Mm -hmm. as of now Canada's rules are 11 days do you want to do you want to clarify that? Sure. Yeah. So if you test positive for COVID, you are not allowed to travel back within into Canada within 11 days of your positive test. After the 11th day, you can. So the 12th day you're clear or the 11th day you're clear? It says 11 days on the website. Okay. So 11. Yeah. On the 11th day, you may travel back into the country. Yeah. Most quarantine places are 10 days. Okay. And so this is really important when you're booking travel to know what your insurance says. Okay. Because it's very tricky. Some insurance companies say they have COVID coverage insurance, but that really only means the medical coverage associated with COVID. Not the expenses in like extra stays. Not your quarantine expense, not your meal expense for while you're staying there. So if you're booking travel insurance, 
make sure that it also is covering quarantine. Do you recommend a good travel insurance company? We've been very successful with Pacific Blue Cross okay. um, since we've started. That's only available to residents of BC. Okay. Manulife also has a cover me through COVID um, policy on their website as well, Okay. which covers quarantine. Okay. Good to know. Again, there's I will a couple others out there, but sure. those are the two that have extensive coverage that we found so far. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, on that note, mm-hmm. requirements getting back into Canada is a negative PCR or positive plus 11 days. Yeah. But you have to have proof of a positive test. Right. You, you can't, can't just, say, just show oh, up and it. say, I had it. <laughs> no, you need to have proof of a positive PCR test. So that does not include a rapid antigen test. That's correct. Nor does it I include repeat. a picture of your rapid antigen test you <laughs> okay. took at home. Okay. It needs to be signed by health authority. So are there different types of PCRs? Um, as far as I know, no. Okay. Yeah, there's just, um, it's the, the PCR is the way that they do the testing. Mm-hmm. It's All the right. molecular level. And the reason they do PCR versus antigen for most places is because the accuracy. They test the more levels of virology. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, right? That's all you need to get back in. To get back into Canada and the Arrive Can app. Yes. Yes. Two things. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Perfect. Um, I asked how can people find where to get... Oh, yeah. How yeah. can people find where to get PCR tests? Yeah. If you're in Nairobi, where do you go and find one? So on the um, Kenyan government website, yeah. they have a lot of tips for travel during COVID. Actually, all countries, all probably? countries. Okay. And again, that IATA website, um, I think it's mm-hmm. iatatravelcenter.ca or .com is super handy. Um, it links you to those country websites and then you can find it listed on there. Most places, okay. most airports do PCR testing okay. um, and most airport hotels do PCR testing. So you can book a test at, and it will list the accredited um testing locations there yeah i feel like countries have made it pretty easy because they, they really want have. they want people to travel yeah. again um what is it, uh, average cost of a pcr test it very much ranges okay. so in canada you know prior to travel you would contact life labs typically mm-hmm. or you can find the list of websites um i think on the if you go to like the bc cdc website um you can find a list of places to travel Mm-hmm. Um, do pe- do testing for travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can expect to pay anywhere from seventy five dollars. I think the airport. I'm not sure exactly what they charge. They were charging one hundred and twenty five dollars okay. to get your test there, up to five hundred dollars. The average PCR test for travel is around two hundred dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've looked into it before, and all I found was two hundred, but that's yeah. locally. So, yeah. somebody, a rumor has it that. Walgreens in the States gives them for free, but that's probably not true. And you don't have an, uh, you don't have a date of when you'll get your results back. Oh, okay. So you have, you have to have a test within 72 hours. Yeah. Some places are 24 hours. So you have to make sure that if you can do it for free, that's great. You just have to make sure you can get your test result back by then. True. Insurance does not ever cover getting your test result late. Okay. That is one good to note that, I, that I've read. <laughs> okay, yeah. not experienced, just read. Not experienced, okay, just good. read. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, and the other thing I was going to say about that is, um, 
PCR testing is only country specific. So if you're traveling right. to a country okay. that doesn't require it, you don't need it to board a flight to leave Canada. You just need it back in. You just need it back okay. in. That's correct. All right. Mm -hmm. Great. Any other tidbits for travel or did we cover mm -hmm. most of it? Do you think? I feel like we've covered a lot. Do you have any other questions that stand out in your mind? No, I, I'm just ready to board a plane. So <laughs> I think it's going to be handy for people to, to know what's required. And mm -hmm. I know it sounds like a lot, but I say don't be worried about you actually told me this. Mm -hmm. Read everything. Read all the fine print. Do your due diligence. But, but do it, like yeah. go, world the, is opening again, let's do it. The thought of travel is very overwhelming. Yes. It was overwhelming for us as an organization. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of risk, how are we gonna mitigate this? Mm -hmm. But working through those steps and like, like I said, like there's been changes, we've learned things, we've mm -hmm. had to, you know, it's been a lot of pressure in a very short amount of time. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that we've noticed with traveling is the decision of, okay, we're doing this to the execution of it has gone from four to six months to like six to nine weeks. Okay. So you're getting a lot and the, and there's more things to do. There's more mm -hmm. steps to complete. So you're doing more things in a shorter amount of time. It's a bit time consuming and taxing, yeah. um, but be prepared to learn things and be prepared for, for things change. to happen yeah. and change and, and um, it'll be okay. Agreed. Just got to do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is it. Feel free to drop any questions that you have into the comments and mm -hmm. Angela will answer them. Yeah, I would be happy to reach out. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll for sure link some of the resources that you talked about. And thanks for sharing that information for us. You're welcome. So we can I'm travel happy to again. Be here. Happy to be here. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to What in the World, where we seek to educate and inspire. Here at Hungry for Life, we are passionate about your group having a global impact in eradicating needless suffering. For more information, head over to our website at hungryforlife.org, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. Tune in every other week for another conversation about what is happening at Hungry for Life.